better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. So guys, I want to talk about teeth specifically today on this episode. <laughs> what? That's that seems kind of random. Are we gonna talk about I wanna talk about teeth. What about you, Sean? Uh anything besides uh dying of Alzheimer's. I'll be fine. Yeah, with the that. super, super sad movie we watched. Yeah. Oh wait, I funnily enough. I went to the dentist today. This sounds like we planned it. No, no, I went. I did. I do. I went today to okay. the dentist. All right. Did you guys plan and this? No. No, no, no. So this is what happened. Um, totally random. My, my old dental hygienist retired, and so I got a new one today, and I was very scared about this. Uh, did you do because... an unboxing video? <sighs> did I do what? An unboxing video for your dentist? It's not important. It's not a good no, Go ahead. Like no, a I didn't. No, I didn't do that. Like a video game review or something? Yeah, yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> this is my new dental hygienist. Um, I would yeah. give the dental hygienist a Metacritic 6 out of 10. <laughs> she has plus 7 to clean teeth, which is pretty good. <laughs> the reason that I was scared is because I like to limit the number of people whose hands go in my mouth. A, um, a good general practice. I'm just not even yeah. going to touch that. I'm going to yeah. let that so, one float. But here's the thing, though. She, you know, with dental hygienists, it's kind of a weird social situation that you get put into, right? Because, like, you have someone cleaning your teeth, but your mouth's full of stuff, right? So you can't so you can't talk to them. And, my God, she was a chetty Kathy. Was her name Kathy? No, her name was not, was not Kathy. I'm not going to give her name because that would be bad. It was Tamara. She was a talkative Tamara. <laughs> talkative Tamara. She was a loquacious Linda. <laughs> Oh, she was very loquacious. <laughs> loquacious Lucretia. A conversational Carly. A con- yep. Oh, my God. Yep. Are we going to keep doing this one? <laughs> I'm talking to Tammy. So she was asking me a bunch of questions while she was cleaning my teeth. Like, oh, like, do you, how often do you floss? Do you, have you considered this, this, uh, this electric toothbrush versus the manual? Well, hold on. Do you think that I have too many kids? What? They were asking you dentist questions. These questions are <laughs> fine. No, but uh, here's my thing. She's asking me while she's cleaning my teeth, and mm-hmm. and here's the thing: not all not all of them were dentists, by the way. And how does one answer questions whenever I have six things in my mouth, both of her hands, a mirror, uh, two of those spit gargly things, and then the and then the uh, the the pokey thing or the brush? And I I can't I can't answer the questions. It sounds like you got a real gabbing uh, gabbing Glinda on your hand. <laughs> Did you use your thesaurus? No, I didn't, but I forgot the name that I'd already chosen, so I, I stumbled there. All I'm saying is that new dental hygienists throw a real monkey wrench into my routine. They had a monkey wrench in there to... also? So that was six yeah. things. And then, so, and then... Um, hey, as you go on them, your tooth mechanic. <laughs> and then food, the Foo Fighters came in and... Oh, they, they performed they just, monkey wrench? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Grohl or whatever his name is. He came Yeah, his name he, is uh, just Grohl, like a fucking D&D character. <laughs> it's Dr. Grohl, thank you. And he came in and he was singing about like wrenches and monkeys and like teeth. and. Well, Pace, let me tell you the secret. Every time okay. when they're asking you questions, do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did that and I hated it. I tried to nap at the dentist. That's boring as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like, and I hated it. You know it. what you really got to do? If they're asking you too what? many questions, just give them a little bite. Just bite their hand, and then they'll stop. Mm-hmm. Stop asking you questions. I mean, they did solve the problem of what do I do about the, like awkward eye contact. They had like they just put these glasses on me that would like to, supposedly to block from the bright light that's shining on my face. But we know what it's. So they put sunglasses on your face. Yeah, did, they did. Did you get a Gainesville Dental Association by the mall? No, I went to the I went to the UF faculty oh, dental practice. Okay. They put glasses on me also in my place. Oh, Can I? This is a very suggestion. Very informative story, by the way. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Can I? Can I offer a suggestion? Next time they ask you too many questions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Next time they get that little mirror in there and they're like, 
So, uh, what kind of car do you drive? Have you had any problems with it? Where do you take your car to a mechanic? And they just got like all their tooth, toothy tools in mm-hmm. your mouth. Mm-hmm. I want you to bite down hard on that mirror and rip it from their hands like a wild animal, and then just like spit it onto the ground and say, "Stop asking me questions." That's well, that seems like a one to sixty pretty fast, Kenneth. Yeah, but then they'll pick it up nervously, and then they'll have to go clean it and think about what they did, and they won't ask you any more questions for the rest of the time. <laughs> Timeout time at the sink. I think the rest mm-hmm. of the time is is then. I think it just ended as soon as you did that. <laughs> I think they come back in and they're like, I don't get paid enough for this shit. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Go find yourself a different dentist. I've wasted enough of your guys' time talking about my teeth. Um, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice... Uh, I love hearing about your dental update space. Yeah, it's, you know, the thing that sucks about our insurance is that we only go once a year so i got i had a lot of tartar build up it was uh, it was a rough one wow this mm. is it is a rough one not putting did you have enough to put all. on this is very <laughs> you have to put on fish do i have have what never mind no, 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 say it again yeah, kidding okay. sorry i didn't <laughs> quite hear that it's fantastic joke you just threw up let's hear it okay hold on um Pace, can you say your thing again? No, 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 Kenan, you're fine. We already heard it. Oh, no, I was hoping he'd just play me in, and give me the I have, first part. I had a lot of tartar in my mouth. Okay, <clears throat> let me get a drink of water. <laughs> if you're gonna make a solder, Dude, tartar this... sauce joke, I don't want to. No, hear Pace, Pace, don't don't ruin the punchline. This joke is okay. is worth the so wait. Had, let me tell I had you. A lot of I had a lot of tartar in my mouth. Oh. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> really good. We're doing good, so, man. I got tartar. Do, in my, I got some doing, tartar doing in my good. mouth though. Did you? Uh, did you have enough to put on your fish? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hate- Thank you. The guy in the back gets it. Oh god. I don't like I don't like it. Um Oh man, that's so funny. It. Tip your waiters. I'll accept it five out of ten. Um Okay. It's 50%. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah, well, it could be worse. Um So this week we watched uh Still Alice. We did watch Still Alice. Yeah, it was a very sad movie, and I'm really angry that Pace made us watch it. But I didn't make you watch it. Yeah, I kinda um, you made us watch it. Uh, yeah, it was my fault. Uh, it was a movie about Alzheimer's. Julianne Moore and Alec Baldwin are both in it. It's about mm-hmm. how Julianne Moore gets early onset Alzheimer's, and she and Alec Baldwin and the rest of her family have to deal, deal. with it. Yeah. And I cried twice. <laughs> it's really sad. It's mm. a very sad movie. Yep. Warning. But it's also very good. It's also a very good movie. It was super good. I felt yeah. like I was in yeah. a constant state of crying basically mm-hmm. since i hit play on the movie it was just it was, tears constantly it was really just like i yeah. everything was blurry because of all the tears in my eyes yeah i mean it, you can't see as well through water so that makes sense that, that <laughs> makes sense we need to we need to figure out which one of us is going to explain the plot dudes we do and i need because i am absolved from it this week which is good because i don't want to cry on camera um you guys have to roll a d20 each, not just one, uh, to figure out who's going to go over the plot. Okay. Because okay. I'm absolved. Before I, I'm ready. Before I roll this, I just mm-hmm. want to quick say our disclaimers because I feel like I forget. Good we call. Forget good about call. Them. Good call. So. Good call. Wait, hold on. Pace is supposed to say them though. But he keeps forgetting, so I'm just going to do it. Oh, wait. Are you punishing him so that he doesn't forget? No, I honestly, I'm just vamping so I can remember what I'm supposed to say for our disclaimers. And. Oh, okay. Here. They. Go. go. Okay. Pace, can you say the disclaimers, please? <laughs> I thought Sean was going to say them. As scientists, no, we pick apart. No, I can do oh, it. I can oh, say oh. it if you want. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Anarchy. It's complete anarchy. <laughs> that was on purpose, though. Okay, Sean, go ahead. Say them. No, Pace, please say them. Please. Okay. Uh, on this show, we are dirty scientists, and we're going to take... <laughs> damn it. You said fucking naughty last time, and now you're saying dirty... We're just three fucking raunchy scientists, and we're gonna we're gonna take the science, and we're just gonna rip its clothes off. We're gonna we're gonna rip yeah. its clothes off. We're gonna break it down to its essence. And we're horny for science. <laughs> horny for science. Oh horny boys for science. Horny for science. Hey guys, my parents listen to this. Too bad. Hey Jack. Because and because of that, there might be some complicated minutia that we're gonna break down in the film, and uh, we also might curse a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yes. oh, get no ready for some get ready for some raunchy science. Also, is what I'm saying. for this movie, I mean, if you personally know someone with Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, uh, it may hit kind of it may hit kind of close to home because it's a really sad yeah, movie. So just it's be aware rough. of that when you go into it. Yeah, it's rough. But now 
All right. Let's do it. Let's roll. Let's roll our d20s. D20. So to, to refresh the rules for everybody, if you get a 20, you make the other person go. If you get a one, you have to go. And highest roll otherwise goes. Yes. Ready? Yes. Yep. What'd you get? What'd you get, Sean? I got a 12. I got a 15. Ooh, Yay. Pace. There you I go. hope you're ready. I'm yeah. so ready. So in this film, still Alice, uh, we learn about the uh, experiences of, uh, what's her name in the film? Julianne Moore's character. Uh, her Hold name on, is let's, <laughs> let's take a quick poll. Pace, come on. It's, her name is fucking. The phones. It's not important. Wait, Pace, what's the title of the fucking movie that you're describing? Oh, yeah, Alice, <laughs> shit. Jesus Christ. Whoops. <laughs> How did this happen? Please, please cut this. No. no that's good. Let me edit this episode, Kenan. No, you Don't can't be edit a dick. that out. That is, Don't that be is a dick. good shit. Uh, we come in on Alice, our main character in the story, and she is a linguistics professor at Columbia. She is. And uh, you'll find in this movie that words is a theme. There's always talking about these words, words. Mm-hmm. And we initially see kind of a scene to scene in this movie of her displaying very, very early signs of the disease. It kind of jumps right into something is wrong with her, with her memory. She gets lost while she's running on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, she has trouble uh, reaching for a, reaching for a few words. Right. Uh, she when, forgets when like she, very small things. Very small, just kind of like everyday things that you might normally pass as like, oh, that's a weird brain lapse that I just had, you know? My day-to-day. Your day-to-day, day-to-day. And so we then uh, meet her family, Alec Baldwin, is her, her great husband, who hearing him talk about science was very weird, by the way. Yeah, it was super weird, actually. It was strange, because I'm used to seeing him as like some weird, seductive 50-year-old dude, um, which he kind of still was, but... 30 Rock. Um, d- yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just 30 Rock, really. <laughs> just, just 30 Rock. And so... Uh, we learn that she has this big family. She has three kids. Uh, they're all kind of at big points in their life. Some of them she has a few tensions with. Her daughter's trying to be an actor, all that kind of shit. Um, but the main point here is that she's a very intelligent and very put-together, career-driven woman uh, who lives for her intellect. Her intellect defines her. And so I guess we can just next jump into the fact that uh, she begins to notice, and her family begins to notice these kind of these symptoms where... Uh, she'll start to forget forget basic words uh, that she would normally be able to remember, and she decides to see a neurologist to do this, um, to kind of figure out what the hell's going on here with my brain brain. And she doesn't tell her family. She doesn't. Uh, because, you know, she's very, uh, very self-sufficient, doesn't want to burden them, right? She, so she goes to the neurologist, and they, they give her some, some memory tasks, and this eventually leads to her diagnosis of early onset Alzheimer's. Once this happens, uh, the rest of the movie is a kind of a, a montage of how it affects her career and her family. Her husband's very supportive and her kids are very supportive. The issue comes up as to uh, this is a genetic type of Alzheimer's disease. So her kids are at risk for getting it. That uh, creates a few complications. Yeah, there's kind of like that aids in the sub-theme of the movie, which is how this disease affects family interactions. Absolutely, basically. I think yeah. that's one of the primary, one of the, one of the primary themes, and one of the hardest things to watch is that it's not just the person with the disease that is affected here; it's a huge burden upon families. Yep, especially in this case, it's not just a burden that her family is dealing with watching her go through the disease; it's that they also may get it themselves too. Yeah, it's a preview. Yeah, and it's it's scary. It's on. It's honestly scary because. The most devastating thing to watch throughout this movie is that she's aware of the changes that are happening. She's aware that she's becoming less and less of herself and losing her memories. And that's probably the hardest thing to watch about this film. Um, she eventually kind of becomes, she does. She participates at a few events, she kind of becomes the face of the disease, uh, giving a speech at the Alzheimer's Association conference. Um, and to tr- as she tries to come to, ter- come to terms with this, mm-hmm. eventually we get to a point uh, we're nearing the end of the movie where um, she is basically lost all of her sense of, of who she is and she's starting to not recognize who, you know, who her own children are. It's not really the way that we normally use it, but it's kind of the point in the movie where all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Well, all hell breaks loose is I think whenever she for, whenever she's at one of her daughter's plays, because her daughters are an aspiring actress, 
and she forgets that she's talking to her daughter. And that's one of the most, yep. that's one of the roughest things that can happen. Whenever you not, are not able to recognize family members, that's, um, that's when all hell breaks loose in this film. That hurt my whole heart. Yep. Yep. And then, um, it's, it's not really a climactic ending. We just, it just kind of is ends with a, a sad, well, it's, it's a sad yet also happy moment where, uh, her, one of her, her youngest daughter is reading a poem to her. The poem is about love, and she's like, oh, this poem is about love, and then it fades out, and we're done. There's a couple major themes of this movie, and obviously one of them is her and her family dealing with Alzheimer's. Yes. There's also the major plot line of this movie, uh, so her, the progression of her disease and how she and her youngest daughter connect uh, represent like a closing of the gap between the two of them, like the emotional rift that's between the two of them. Cause it tells us mm-hmm. we learned really early on, basically that they're not able to connect with each other. They're not able to talk to each other without arguing. Yeah. Um, but by the end of the movie, even if Julianne Moore's character is lost amidst Alzheimer's disease, there is a reconnection between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. That's definitely a little more critical analysis that I haven't really, hadn't really thought about yet. That's, um, it's, it's true. Something about the changes that her brain undergoes with Alzheimer's disease allow her to connect with her daughter more. They were always kind of polar opposites, it seems like. One was very like emotionally driven and yeah. a little less calculating, just does follows her passions. Whereas Julianne Moore was the opposite. She was the kind of the cold, career-driven prag- pragmatist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of breaks down a little bit with the development of the disease. So they are able to connect a little bit more. Al- Alec Baldwin also... Uh, surprised the absolute shit out of me because I thought his character was going to be a real douchebag for this movie, and he wasn't. Yeah, he was not. Uh, he was not. He was, not. Yeah. he was a good. He was a good supportive husband. Yeah. Yep. He was kind of a workaholic, but most professors are anyway. But he was married so. to a workaholic who just also developed Alzheimer's. So, birds of a feather. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump into some of the science here that we got in this one because there is some good science Dentistry in this film, science, yeah. and we haven't really. We have maybe touched on like memory and uh, things like that before. We haven't really gotten into neurodegenerative diseases. Yeah, we have definitely, definitely covered memory in this podcast. Yes, yes. But so I figured, like, since uh, I mean, Pace, we're probably going to be asking you a lot of questions since you do work on Alzheimer's research or neurodegenerative diseases. I do. It's my th- it's my dissertation, right? So, and I was yes. thinking, like, maybe to start off, do you think you could just sort of give us a summary or just a quick description of what Alzheimer's is? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, I think most people probably have a general idea of what it is. But Alzheimer's is what's called a neurodegenerative disease. Uh, by that, it just means that your brain cells die. It's simply put. And Alzheimer's specifically is characterized by what's called cognitive impairment or cognitive decline. It basically just means your brain doesn't function as well as the disease gets worse. Um, this is this mostly manifests as memory loss, um, hmm. and that's and that's that's most noticeable because. Uh, the hippocampus is one of the main areas that dies first, oh, which is necessary for memory and Alzheimer's disease. Oh, I see. Um, so that's what it's 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 also just one of the most obvious effects that you'll see in a patient whenever they're uh, unable to remember, you know, people's names, especially the names of their families. So, so I know that the memory loss in Alzheimer's is similar at some points to that of just like generalized dementia but what are like Mm -hmm. are there like specific differences between dementia and alzheimer's yes so like funnily enough you can't actually say someone has alzheimer's for sure until you can look at their brain like you can Mm. you can be diagnosed with it behaviorally like based upon like your like certain memory tests and stuff but you can't know someone has alzheimer's until you can uh, what, what is called analyze the brain histologically, or you take out the tissue and you test it for things and you know what to look for. I know it's jumping ahead a little bit, but in the movie, they basically, Julianne Moore and her husband, uh, played by Alec Baldwin, and I can't remember the character's name, but... Um, it's okay. Because the character's name matter. is not the title of the movie. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, in the movie, they share that um, impression up until the point where she gets a PET scan, a PET scan, a PET scan. Um, which her neurologist says should be conclusive for whether or not she has Alzheimer's. Do you yes. know if that's the case? Like, did the movie get this right? And if so, how does a PET scan help you visualize? 
Base, so the M, and a, a, a PET scan uh, stands for positron emission tomography, I believe. And so PET scans, in this case, what they're doing is a PET scan for amyloid. And as we should probably also talk about, uh, is that amyloid is one of the primary things that defines an Alzheimer's brain. And so how a PET scan works is they can basically inject a radio label into your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. It will go into your brain. It will attach itself to the amyloid beta, and then you can detect it using, using, um, using a brain scan. This will then show where amyloid is specifically in the brain. Okay. And so, and so you asked if this is real and how it would happen. The short answer is yes, especially in her case. It's unique to her case because she has what's called familial Alzheimer's disease, which we'll get into. Um, and so in the case of the kind of Alzheimer's she has, the mutations lead to just excessive amyloid production. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's why it works for her. Oh. But it's but it's worth noting that people can have amyloid positive brains and be cognitively healthy. Mm-hmm. Like there are people that are like, like die at age ninety and have a shitload of amyloid in their brains, and they have no cognitive decline. So it's messy. It's messy. But for familial and genetic Alzheimer's, that actually is very reliable. Okay. Well, that that makes sense. Interesting. So mm-hmm. if someone has non-familial Alzheimer's, like just a late onset, like the traditional mm-hmm. form you would think of, is there a way of looking at amyloid collection in the brain, like a PET scan, or would you just not really be able to see anything? Or Could you, so, could you do like a biopsy? So, I mean... So there's this is a this is the you guys are getting on a very very good point which is like how, like what are the most reliable ways to diagnose for Alzheimer's disease? You need biomarkers, right? But it's tough. The best thing that a lot of people have right now is doing a spinal tap, you know, like taking some cerebral spinal fluid I out love of that your movie. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um I haven't seen it. So um <laughs> Wait, what? You've never seen Spinal Tap? Don't, John, don't. So. Stop. Uh, okay, no, all, right, so. all right, all right. We we'll, do, all right. we'll do that later. There's a lot we'll of do science this later. in Spinal Tap, so we can do this for the show. <laughs> I'm very angry okay. with him as well, but we'll wait. Okay, we'll wait. Sorry, Pace. Sorry, that's, pers- that's partially why I said it, because I wanted to get you all riled up. It worked. So um, the, the, the older late-onset Alzheimer's cases, those are also called sporadic cases, because they don't have any known like genetic cause, so to speak, and... So you can do an amyloid PET scan with those, uh, but it's not as reliable because, again, like I say, normal healthy people can get amyloid in their brain as the age. It's just at her age when she was so young, right. like it was more reliable. That's just why people are trying to develop tau PET scans. Now, Kenan, uh, what are amyloid and tau and and like their role in Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, so we've kind of said this word a lot now. Um I am willing to bet that a lot of our listeners who have any familiarity with Alzheimer's know that amyloid beta is involved. And amyloid beta is actually this uh, short protein sequence. It's a peptide um, that has long been detailed or thought to be important in Alzheimer's disease. And the long and short of it is that this uh, small peptide, uh, when it accumulates, can form what are known as amyloid beta plaques or amyloid beta fibrils. And it's kind of unknown uh, in which form this protein is able to cause specifically uh, neurodegeneration. But one of the prevailing ideas is that, you know, you get enough amyloid beta in one place, it could potentially form what are known as ion channels in neurons, um, causing an influx of calcium or efflux of calcium and potentially destroying the cell. So I know we've talked about apoptosis on this podcast a couple times, but did we talk about ap- apoptosis? I think we have. I don't we think we talked about talk- apop- apoptosis. Yeah, oh, that's okay. what we talked about because that, that's the. That's <laughs> right, what it's we talked about called. your bullshit pronunciation of a of a science word. I get it. Yeah, yeah, we're really good at that here. Mm-hmm. So hey, we said mm-hmm. we're gonna break down the minutia in the fucking disclaimers, Kevin. All right, <laughs> you're fucking right. You're right. It's pronounced apoptosis, but yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yep. Either way, uh, this kind of gets back to what Pace is talking about. Like neurodegeneration literally means dying cells in your brain. Um, uh, which which this can cause. Now, the other yes. thing is there is another protein that is thought to also be involved uh, in Alzheimer's known as tau protein. 
Um, now these will are normally they're supposed to stabilize microtubules, which are yes. in short these structures that your cells use to kind of keep themselves uh, together to cell keep them from collapsing. Exactly, they're architectural proteins for the they're cells. They're the eye beams of the cell. Yes, yes, they're the they're the eye beams of the cell. <laughs> Um, You're welcome. Give me one sec. Do you not like that, Kenan? Um, so the thing is, is I know Pace can explain this better, but I'd prefer to like me say bullshit and then you. No, dude, that's fine. Bullshit. I don't know what the fuck Tau is. I literally don't know anything about Tau. Microtubule associated protein. Yeah. I've heard people say Tau to me before, and I'm like, cool. Sounds like a cool name, Tau. So I, I know that it's supposedly people think it aggregates. Um, it does aggregate. Yeah, and it, it um, does it basically murder microtubules and cells, and that's what causes them to die. So it leads to microtubule destabilization. Yep. Because tau will like it'll become hydrophosphorylated and dissociate from the microtubules. Yep. Uh, and then it'll form what are called neurofibrillary tangles. You probably yep. heard of tangles before. Um, and so those are inside cells, whereas amyloid plaques are outside cells. Cool. All right. I didn't. I want. I wanted to get the gist across without saying all of the science words that just went into that explanation basically yes yeah. basically say that it does a similar thing to amyloid but it occurs inside the cells that's the plan pretty much yeah it misfolds you can just say it misfolds. so tau is well or at least what it's thought that tau does now we mentioned that they're important for regulating microtubules within the cell right um tau if it plays a part in alzheimer's again it's been suggested to do so uh actually comes at this from the other side of the cell wall so uh, these things, uh, when not performing their standard function and we're performing a neurodegenerative function, will associate with one another, perform, uh, form these large tangles within the cell, and can actually cause microtubules to collapse and killing the cell in that way. So this is kind of a dysregulation of how the architecture of the cell normally is regulated. And that's the big problem there. So we have beta amyloid on the outside, tau on the inside. Now, both of these are thought to operate, or at least some people think they're thought to operate like prions, uh, which I'm sure some of our listeners may have, may have heard of. But these are basically infectious proteins or infectious peptides. So a lot of times when we think about you know something being infectious or something able to cause a disease, we're thinking about viruses and bacteria and parasites and things like that, right? But these peptides have, show the ability to spread their misfolded nature, so these proteins are not folded the way that they're supposed to, thereby causing more prions to accumulate, causing a disease to cascade. So it's thought that amyloid beta can do this, and actually if you end up with amyloid beta or tau proteins that are already misfolded within the body, then the problem gets worse and worse and worse and worse, hence the degeneration of the disease. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, and there's a ton of research that's going into the kind of seeding aspects of these proteins that are associated with neurodegenerative diseases, yeah. including tau and amyloid. And the lab that I work in, it's uh, it's a subject of a lot of the projects that go on. I don't know a whole so. lot, personally, obviously you're going to know way more, about how amyloid beta and tau, how the, the mechanics of that deal, like the misfolding mechanics of those specific proteins cause Alzheimer's, but there's a lot of really, really cool research out there with prions and how those work. I mean, we're still not sure. I mean, there's a lot of theories, yeah. but there's, there's not one... I could, there's not uh, one, you know, uh, dominant mindset for why amyloid beta and tau cause the disease. We just know that they misfold and are associated with the disease. That's it. Yeah, and aren't there there two? This is maybe getting into the weeds a little bit, but there's two isoforms that you can end up with amyloid beta, either in plaques or in long microtubule-like structures. And it's not yeah. known which is more important because both of them will cause similar levels of Alzheimer's in people. Yeah. You mean the different, the different like strains, like the different strains? Yeah, of, exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, is that related to the different lengths of amyloid beta? Um, not necessarily. Uh, amyloid beta 40 and 42 are still the predominant like constituents of the plaques. And by 40 and 42, I mean number of amino acids right. that are in that particular amyloid protein. Uh, they all make it up. It's, it's, it's a... It's a growing, it's a growing field. Yeah, it's a messy field. Um, it's very messy. Go ahead, I Sean. think along the lines of what Pace was saying that you know we still don't really have a firm answer as to how the protein plaques like contribute to the progression of the disease. I think it's also important to know that there is no cure for this disease. Um, Absolutely, there are treatments that people can take. 
Um, but these are generally just treating the symptoms. They're like general neurostimulatory drugs that just try and yeah. keep your neurons like constantly stimulated so that they're less likely to die as fast. But it's definitely definitely doesn't stop the progression of the disease. The idea is that it might slow it down. But that's really it. I kind of wanted to hit on that, Sean, too, because uh, we talked about how she has early onset Alzheimer's and Mm -hmm. how this is distinguished a little bit from classical Alzheimer's. But one of the major things that the movie does is it focuses on how this disease affects her family, not just as far as emotionally and and things of that nature, but also heritability. Um, Because something that they mentioned in the movie is that what she has can be passed on to her children um, through classical Mendelian genetics. Basically, Mm -hmm. she has it. Her husband doesn't. Her kids have a 50-50 chance of getting it. So my question is, what, like, how is this different from classical Alzheimer's? And is classical Alzheimer's heritable? And what are the differences between what she has and how those are caused by her uh, genetic issues? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. In the movie, then they get they nail it on the head. Uh, they, they say that she has mutations in what are called presenilins. And uh, these are established genes that when they get mutated cause familial Alzheimer's. These mutations are also uh, are also dominant mutations, meaning that they pass. Uh, you know what? How heritability works, at least in the case of Mendelian genetics, is that you get one allele from your dad and one allele from your mom, like one gene variant, one gene type. There are yep. two, two copies because you have both both chromosome copies, right? Because of that, you get for her kids, they each got one copy of this particular gene, presenilin, one from the mom from the dad so you have a 50 50 chance of getting the bad gene and if you get it then you're gonna have the disease um and that's and that's true in this case which is terrifying but it they also get right in the movie it's super 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 rare familial alzheimer's disease accounts for less than uh it might even be less less than this but it's it's less than five percent of all cases Mm -hmm. the non-familial cases the they're called the sporadic cases those have no known genetic component. They might have like mutations and genes that cause them. But we just don't know what they are yet. But for all intents and purposes, these are not heritable. Yeah, from what I was did my cursory research of like the inherited forms of Alzheimer's, it looked like there was definitely a consensus that there are genetic like patterns observed with people that don't have known mutate like mutations and known genes that cause alzheimer's and the idea is that there's probably just more genes that are involved that yeah. are just either really rare yeah. occurring so we don't have them established or it's like a multifactorial gene response thing so one thing that i i noticed while looking into this because i was curious about how what presenilin is supposed to do mm-hmm. um and this gene uh as pace mentioned is the one responsible uh, is responsible for producing something called presenilin 1, which is directly evolved in pathways that are actually supposed to break down uh, amyloid beta proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of gives you this you know, background of how this relates to amyloid beta buildup, right? Like if it's not functioning properly, you would probably end up with more amyloid beta, thus forming plaques within the brain. Is that about right? Presenilins, they make up these enzymes that cut the amyloid protein. Mm-hmm. And so they cut the amyloid protein in different lengths. And so when you have um, this this mutation in presenilin 1, it means you get more amyloid beta 42. Ah. You get a higher ratio of the amyloid beta 42 size versus the 40 size. And that leads to more plaques, which is associated with Alzheimer's. And Sean, you actually mentioned uh, prevalence as well. But the other thing that I found is that in the cases of early onset, onset Alzheimer's, this presenilin mutation actually accounts for about 70% of cases. Um, so it's a large portion out of the patients that have early onset, this is the most common cause for that particular variant of this disease. So I have a question for you, Pace, and I know we're kind of drilling you with a lot of questions and I don't know if you know the answer to this. That's okay. I love to talk about this is my shit. This is your qualifying. I was thinking about this. We talk about amyloid beta and how it's linked with Alzheimer's, uh, disease progression. Mm -hmm. What does amyloid do in a normal functioning tissue? Is it known? No. That's interesting because like there are theories. I'm not an expert on the theories. I will say that it comes from the, uh, so the amyloid beta comes from the amyloid precursor protein or APP um, and mutations in APP can also cause Alzheimer's disease. Um, but APP is basically 
a transmembrane protein. It's some of it sticks outside the cell and some of it sticks inside the cell. Mm-hmm. And then it gets cut and then uh, that one bad piece, the amyloid beta 42, is then released outside the cell and then it just clumps together to form the plaques. But it regards to the normal function of amyloid beta, no. Um, I mean, it's not clearly known. I don't study it, but everything that I've ever been able to find just basically like labels it broadly regulatory. Like there's a lot of regulatory functions that it's supposed to be carried out. And uh, it's actually considered, I, in case you can correct me if I'm wrong on here, but it's considered like as part of some of the metabolic waste that's generated during some of these regu- regulatory activities. And you're mm-hmm. supposed to clear a shitload of it out while you sleep. And that's yes. why there's this like loose association yes. with not sleeping enough in the development of Alzheimer's disease. Yep. Get your seven hours full. All right. Well, I'm going to go to bed. So I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> it was great doing no, a podcast Sean. with you. We're risking this for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. I'll do it for you, listeners. I'll do it for you. Okay. <laughs> do it well, for yeah, you thank you for answering this question space. I know we kind of grilled you, but I was kind of curious because with a lot of these diseases, I also study recessive diseases. So most mm-hmm. of the time with a recessive disease, you know, the normal functioning protein, everyone knows what it does. And then when it's mutated, that's when you or you don't have it being produced. It's a loss of function. Yeah, it's a loss or... of function. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, hmm. yeah, dude. Neurogenerative diseases are messy. Yeah, uh, they. Um, I mean, one of the things that this movie did a really, really good job of is, I mean, it didn't focus as much on the science, but it gave us enough to give us like jumping off points, right? But one of the yeah. things that this movie did really well with Alzheimer's is show the impact uh, that the disease has on families. Yes. Um, and this kind of gets to a point that I know, Pace, you wanted to talk about talk about a little bit, which is the sort of general stigma that's associ- associated with neurodegenerative diseases, um, how people approach people with Alzheimer's, how that's interpreted by people who have Alzheimer's and things like that, like in general, how people are treated who have these diseases. So fill us in. Yeah, maybe. well, it's just and this is this is not specific to neurodegenerative diseases, right? I mean, this is in regards to all illnesses and diseases that really negatively affect one's cognitive abilities, right? Their ability to just like come off as a normal human being. And so the point that I just want to make with this is that Alzheimer's disease is a condition that shouldn't be treated any differently. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't lower your respect for somebody because of it in the same way that you should understand that something like schizophrenia or depression or, anything along those lines can't be helped. It can Mm -hmm. never be helped and do not patronize these people and do not put them in a box uh, based upon their Alzheimer's disease because they are, you know, even sometimes to a a lesser degree, still Alice, you know? Yeah. And so I think that it's just, I just wanted to make, just make the, the broad point uh, that it, it is a disease and it's not something that can be controlled. I don't think there's a whole lot of, debate about this for Alzheimer's disease people are usually pretty appreciative of it um so yeah I just wanted to talk about the scene in the movie where she gives a speech at this uh Alzheimer's association meeting yeah so this is the I, I would say she's kind of like midway through her disease progression in the movie so she's definitely having like serious impacts in her day-to-day life like it's to the point where other people around her know she has alzheimer's you know like it's not that she's hiding it anymore um but she's really just kind of coping with the disease state uh where it's at Mm -hmm. and so she gets Mm -hmm. invited to speak at the alzheimer's association and talk about her experience and her feelings about living with this disease and it was like a pretty um, it was a very emotional scene in the movie honestly because yep. she really just talks about how like it's extremely difficult it's awful like she feels terrible and she's just struggling to you know get by and the entire time while she's reading her speech she's highlighting every single line in her speech because she's said before that if she doesn't highlight the line that she already read she'll just read it again because she's having so yeah. much trouble focusing on what she's actually doing and keeping track of what she's done already. And like, you know, I, I mean, obviously just watch the movie because it's a very good movie, but this whole scene was very like super impactful and sort of, I guess, set the stage for just how the individual feels. Cause a lot of it, you know, you see the areas where it's like the people around the person with Alzheimer's are affected, but this is sort of, trying to give like a firsthand experience of like what it's like to live with Alzheimer's and it 
spoiler alert, it's not very good. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 arguably she says in the movie that she'd rather have cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't blame her. Well, and her her justification for that is because she wouldn't feel so embarrassed. Yeah. And that goes into the, the mental stigma aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, she loses her job because she's unable to teach her classes, but she's still at a point where she's very aware that she has Alzheimer's and things are getting worse. Um, yeah, you're literally witnessing your brain deteriorate yeah. and you lose more and more each day. She even gets to the point in the movie where as she is like getting let go from her job and stuff, she actually sets up a plan to try and kill herself as sort of like a scapegoat, like a backdoor exit sort of. Because she, she doesn't want to be a burden. Yeah, she doesn't want to be a burden. So she records a video of herself talking to herself in the future saying that like basically if it gets this bad, like... Here's a bottle of roofies, which I was really actually yeah. to talk about a science point real quick. She basically goes to the doctor saying that she's having trouble sleeping, which is a common thing with Alzheimer's. Um, but she asks for something stronger than like regular sleeping pills and they give her Ruhifnol, which yep. is roofies. And this is not not legal to distribute in the u.s by doctors it's like yep. not scheduled for prescriptions so fucking fucking uh just wrote that down just want to fucking bust bust <laughs> that since we're not going to do a lot of science busting this time i wanted to fucking bust that so they're also yeah. strong i don't know any off offhand but there are strong sleep aids that are not fucking roofies yeah right it's also like i mean she went to a doctor in the u.s it's just not they're not going to have it they won't be able to She's prescribe gonna, it. yep yeah. she basically has it set up so that She's giving herself instructions to take this whole bottle of sleeping pills. And at the time in the movie where she finds this video and starts following the instructions, her cognitive awareness is so far gone that she can't actually, like, get through the task of finding the bottle, the pills and taking them to actually make it happen. So Without having the video yeah. directly in front right. of her. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. and then she gets sort of sidetracked by someone walking in the door and drops the pills and then forgets about them, so... Yeah, C CW for obviously a lot of shit this movie, but for also implied suicide. So yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't said anything funny this episode. Uh, That's not true. Yeah. We talked about Pace's trip to the dentist for ten minutes. We did, we did, and also Pace asked us what the main character's name was. That was pretty. <laughs> yeah, good. I did. Yep. I did. Yep. Um, I, we did something cool with the last episode, uh, and I think Sean, it seems like, is already gone. But was there anything in this movie, Pace? that you wanted to call out as being particularly unscientific mm. or a single point that you wanted us to discuss. It's not really directly related to Alzheimer's. Alec Baldwin was talking immunology at one point in the mm -hmm, film, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And I could be wrong with this because I don't deal as much in immunology, but he said, I think he said microphage activity yes, he did. Instead, of, instead of macrophage he did. activity. Yes, he did. And that's the one thing that I kind of was like, hmm, Baldwin. You done fucked up. There was a scene. Yeah, I saw that too because I had subtitles on and I was like, microphage? What the fuck's a microphage? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Micro microphages are real. They yes, they are real, but I don't think it's what he was referring to in this instance. They he are just, the thing is, is that. So, Alec Baldwin said a word in science that does <laughs> exist, but is. Yeah so infrequently used that no one would ever fucking use it. it no. Like, and it, yeah. it refers in the context to like, of the sentence. Yeah. It, it refers to like very, very, very teeny tiny polymorphonuclear leukocytes. Like very small ones in comparison to just regular ass fucking leukocytes. Like regular macrophages. Yes. Mm -hmm. his, yeah. his whole, like that one minute discussion he had, it was literally like he was reading the back of a science textbook <laughs> that just had a list yes, of vocab was. words. Yeah. Like he, he was... I mean, he was like, "Oh, the secretin didn't respond. That's cytokine. Wow, macrophage! Like you were just like, what? That was my favorite on? part. Is that uh, Alice goes, what about the cytokines? The cytokines. <laughs> it's like they're up, they're upregulated, but not significant. It was like <laughs> it was like a science mad lib. <laughs> like it was. Yeah. You're literally reading the the ingredients in the cereal. Science the cereal. Like it was just him <laughs> reading them out loud. Yeah. May contain high doses of cytokine, part of this balanced <laughs> macrophage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's a, that is a good point. Yeah, during that scene, I was kind of sitting there. I was like sitting there with my head cocked towards my TV, like cytokines, really, Alec? Is this what we're talking about right now? So, Kenan, what did you think was the uh, a crazy science scene that you'd like to debunk? So, uh, there wasn't anybody science. in this movie um, eating breakfast foods w- wrapped in towels, so I didn't have anything, like, specific to call out like I did in my page. I also, real mm-hmm. quick, want to tell you that I spent an hour on Google trying to fucking find an image of that. I couldn't find it. <laughs> I was Googling, like, Pop-Tart Blue Towel Rampage. I Googled, like, Googled, like Brett, Brett White and Ram- whatever his fucking name was. I was like, Brett White and Pop-Tart Towel Rampage. Just trying to find Brett, <laughs> Brett, the businessman, eat pop tart weird. <laughs> I fucking was on the IMDb page, IMDb page, looking up his character's name to try and get his full character's name and pop tart blue wow. towel, and nothing came wow. up. And I was like, "Has Reddit not seen this movie? Like, where is the blue towel picture?" <laughs> it's been expunged from the internet. I couldn't find it, but I remember the scene. I'm trying to find it. So, listeners, let me know if you find a picture of Brett from Rampage holding a pop tart and a little blue towel. We need it. We need it. Okay, sorry, Kenan. Go ahead. No, you're good. So, uh, my thing, actually, the only thing that I could uh, really latch onto in this movie was just a very, very short bit that Alice's neurologist says, and this is actually probably just going to turn into a pace question, but he tells her in the meantime, before they do all the testing involved with whether or not she has Alzheimer's, he says in the meantime, you should get plenty of exercise. It's always good to get the blood flowing. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You should always exercise. Um but then he also says, drink plenty of water. Hydration is good for memory. Um, and I wanted to know if that is actually supported or if there is just limited evidence for that or if it's 2018 and everyone just should drink more water. I mean, it's probably not the answer you're, I mean, you're wanting, but yeah, don't be dehydrated. Don't be a dunce. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're okay, let me put it this way. You're neurons need water like every other cell in your body needs water your mm-hmm. body is 70 percent water yeah you should probably stay hydrated i mean it's not going to hurt your memory by staying hydrated but i don't think that to my knowledge i haven't looked this up i don't know but i it, it, it wouldn't make much sense to me just staying hydrated to improve memory no. i thought maybe that this was related to like um what i know has been shown in the past is that like people have done cognitive tests on athletes after mm-hmm. they've been running and they're dehydrated and there's mm. direct relation to how much working out you've done and how dehydrated you are and cognitive impairment but i didn't know if that's what this was or if there's some like if this was just some thing that the movie threw in is some homeopathic bullshit about everybody should drink more water because well, it helps you remember shit i can tell you firsthand that i don't think i've ever been to the doctor and had them not tell me to drink more water <laughs> like even, even if I'm sitting there drinking water, they're like, "Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, my throat's kind of sore." They're like, "All right, make sure you drink plenty of fluids. It's always yeah. like just drink a bunch of water. <laughs> like water's fucking the elixir of life. I mean, it kind of is, honestly. But you know, yeah, it, it's literally the elixir of yeah. life. So I yes. guess if we're gonna teach you anything in this episode, listeners, please God, just drink sh- as much water as you possibly can. I will say that there are there is evidence that if you drink at least, I think. Uh, three or four caffeinated cups of coffee a day smoke one or two cigarettes a day you do decrease your risk for alzheimer's and parkinson's um but you still shouldn't smoke um it's a bitch because you just increase your risk of lung cancer exponentially yeah you'll do that too so just have the coffee or just it has to be caffeinated for some reason Um, hey no fucking problem mediterranean diet olive oil supposedly is also good i mean it just you know all right so what i'm I'm hearing is every morning cup of coffee uh, dump in a tablespoon of olive oil into my coffee. <laughs> uh, take two cigarettes, crack them open, swizzle them out into my coffee. Just like they do in the Mediterranean. <laughs> Just like they do. Yeah, yeah, it's very authentic. It's like bulletproof coffee, but it's full of tobacco. You sound like you're describing a hangover cure. You're like, <laughs> listen, it's going to taste bad, but it's going to work, all right? Take some coffee, yeah. olive oil, and cigarettes, mix them all together, and then just, you know, down it, and then take a shot of bourbon. <laughs> Take a shower, jack off, and then go to work. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't work for hangovers, does it? Maybe. Um, <laughs> let's rate this bad boy. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Let's roll to see who goes nice. first. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Oh, fuck. Get Hold your on. D20 out, Kenan. Be right back. I got a, I got a rock. Oh, yeah. 
got my bag. It's a good one. Hold on. Hold on. I got all these bottle caps in here so that I can reward you fucks whenever we play. Dang, Kenan, those are some thick legs you have there. Pace, I can't hear you. I have my headphones off. <laughs> Don't worry, he didn't say anything inappropriate at all. I never would. Yeah, never, never. Wouldn't dream of it. Jesus, so many dice. It's got some just really, like, T-H-I-C-C. Th- uh, hey, Kenan. Yep. <laughs> all right. That's thick. Roll a six. What'd you roll, Kenan? Six. I also got a six. I rolled a 15. All right. Sean goes first, and Pace and I roll off. I got an eight. I got a 10. Okay. I go last. For this movie, for the entertainment rating, I'm going to give it a five out of five because I really liked the movie. Ah. Um, The only thing that would make me dock anything from the movie is that it made me tear up a lot, and I don't like that on a Wednesday night. So That's fair. (laughs) But, you know... It was a very good movie, very good acting. I honestly thought I don't remember the actress's name, the girl from Woman from Twilight. Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. She's a good actress. I thought that Twilight was just so bad and that the acting was awful, but she actually did a pretty good job in this movie, so I mean you go to war with the army you have and the writing for Twilight is Oh yeah, of course, of course. That's the thing, is like I've only seen them like part I didn't like sit down and fucking watch Twilight intentionally. Like I've only caught pieces of it. I was like, Wow, this is garbage. But she did a very good job in this movie, to her credit. Robert Pattinson is also a great actor. Have you seen enough of it to know whether or not you're Team Jacob or Team the other one? Um, I'm Team. <laughs> I'm Team Jedward. All right, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah very, team Jedward. Very good. I'm not taking a say. I don't want to alienate half of our listeners. We have a huge Twilight fan base, Kenan. Obviously, <laughs> Jedward, the hot mummy that was in Twilight. <laughs> Jedward the mummy, he was like, I'll have my, I'll get the woman. Damn Let's vampires. keep our love under wraps. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, the science, uh, I mean, I'm going to give it at least a four out of five. Like, uh, there wasn't a ton of science, but I think that, like, based on what Pace has told me in corroborating, like, the diagnostic testing that was done to determine she has Alzheimer's, I think that it seems accurate. Um, so I would either give it a four or a five. The only thing that would make you dock it down to a four is that because there wasn't a lot of science and Alec Baldwin did just kind of say microphage and cytokine randomly, (laughs) I might have to dock that, but I mean, it was pretty accurate. I mean, it wasn't science heavy, so I'll go four out of five. All right. All right, Kenan. Um, for entertainment factor, I am actually going to give it a four out of five. Um, but it is very, very close to being a five out of five. The reason I'm downgrading it a little bit, um, well, it gets that high to begin with because of the reasons that you already stated, but I'm downgrading it a little bit because the movie oscillated, and this is probably just me, oscillated between making me actually cry real fucking tears um, and being very, very, very sappy in some regards. I don't handle sad songs played over touching scenes very well in movies. I think they're stupid. But I get why they're there. But for me personally, I'm going to downgrade it to a four out of five because of stuff like that. So so harsh. Yeah. So so harsh. Well, you're, harsh. Just because you're harsh. dead inside doesn't mean you get to take it out in the movie, Kenan. I'm a harsh mistress. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. I can has harsh mistress, please. Whip noise. Uh, so for okay. the science, I'm going to give it a. I think I'll give it a four out of five. I think it's fine. Okay. Um, for the science, it was mentioned. It was pretty fucking accurate. There's a lot of basis there. Uh, I don't know if that's because the people who made the movie did a lot of research or if it's because the person who wrote the original book, I would assume, uh, did a lot of research and that's what the movie ran with. But at any at any rate, there was research done. It was put into the movie. It was recent. It was decently accurate. Um, so four out of five for me. Didn't you say that in the book, the individual had ALS? No, no the writer had ALS. I was wrong about that the whole time. Oh, so you, oh okay. You were wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. You just wanted to. Yeah, no, it. I didn't know you were wrong. I was actually asking. Pace. The entertainment factor in the film, I'm going to go to five out of five. Um, I was going to go to four, but then I, I noticed at the end of the movie, um, they were filming it from the perspective of Alice. And as she was kind of losing clarity as to what was going on around her, because the beginning of the film is very clear as to what's going on from scene to scene to scene. I, In my opinion, at the end of it, it gets a little more messy kind of like what she's experiencing because that's also how the book is written. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is also written in that way. So that, I thought that was clever and well done for the science. I'm also going to give it a five out of five because um, everything that I heard, a, I am up to date on Alzheimer's research in the literature. 
uh, I did not hear anything that I perceived to be inaccurate. So uh, it's as simple as that. And it wasn't the sexiest of science, but it was accurate. So good point. Base. I know Julianne Moore is pretty attractive. I would say that parts of the movie were sexy. They were also both <laughs> in 30 Rock together. They were. Yep. Listener questions. Sean, you know this time, don't you? Mail yeah, noise, mail noise, mail noise. We do have a question. It is not in reference to Still Alice because I was really late okay. at putting the call out for questions. Hold on. Wait. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Sean. Yes. I want to say it's okay that you were late because I, and I think probably I speak for Pace as well, was already incredibly impressed that you logged into Facebook for a day other than the day after we post our episodes and made a post on Facebook about what we're doing. It's because I care about the show, guys. And uh, I am just mm-hmm. blown away. You're welcome. I'm trying to open the question, but my browser is currently frozen. So That sounds a little bit more like you. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep <laughs> keep talking while I, I have I was working on my um, manuscript today and I have so many tabs open right now, it's unreal. Yeah. Well, if you want, I can read the question. I do have it in front of me. Well, Kenan, my Gmail's opening right now, so why don't you just give me one second to oh, keep okay. stalling. Just sort of vamp a you can bit more. just sort of edit yeah. this out and post. And here we go. Maybe. Anthony right. Martinez, friend of the show, asks, Hey, guys, I had a few questions about mutations like in X-Men. This is, of course, in reference to Rampage, which we just watched uh, last, what, three weeks ago? It released last week. Um, yep. He asks, are there any theories out there about what it would take to cause a human to be mutated enough to have super strength or anything similar to that? Oh, boy. Um, And that is his first question. His second question gets a little more abstract, but let's answer this one first. Kenneth, Kenneth, why am I not super strong? Yeah, I don't want to sound like, uh, I don't know, a megalomaniac, but I mean, with what we're able to do with genetics at this point, you're probably better off using eugenics to give people super strength um, than like actually trying to hit them at a cellular level to make them super duper strong you're probably just better off like i don't know getting a bunch of strong people or people who build muscle easily and getting them all to have sex with each other and then that's how you get superheroes Mm. (laughs) plus it involves sex so the reason i say that is just because in order to make the types of mutations that allow you to build muscle more easily save maybe the example we gave in the last episode where you literally knock out a regulatory mechanism so that the body builds muscle at an immense rate. There are so many other things that go on metabolically in order to allow you to build large amounts of muscle and then utilize that. You're not going to one, get to the point where you can have super duper strength because humans are not built that way. Um, But you will end up with like, you know, people like the guy who plays the mountain in game of Thrones. He's just a very large dude who can build muscle very easily and is extremely strong. Yeah. But you can't induce that in a person without... Without exercise. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And a lot of boiled chicken. (laughs) I mean, there are maybe things that you could do from a genetic level to make somebody more able to build muscle. But to my knowledge, that is not something that we can do at this moment because it's so polygenic in nature. And we we talked about myostatin a little bit on the episode, um, which... I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that you should just read the Facebook post that I posted because I'm just giving myself a one-week deadline to post it. So I think by Uh the time this episode airs, I'll have posted something about some naturally occurring mutations in myostatin, and this is sort of like a little insight into these mutations that can affect traits like strength. But yeah, so do you guys ready for the second question? Second question? Yeah. Yes, All right, so it. the second question is, even if we lived in a world where people are being born with super speed or elasticity, would it be possible for someone to be born with the ability of flight or teleportation? You know, something oh, that man. isn't just an enhanced version of things we can already do. Um, and he talks about, you know, like increased re- regeneration, which we see in Rampage. Um, he also says, keep up with the good work. I look forward to hearing your responses. Thank you so much for the question, Anthony. Um, thank you, Anthony. Yeah, thank I'm you. sorry that my response to this is uh, no, that there's no way we can do that <laughs> because we are limited by the, you know, when we talk about genetic editing, we are limited by the genes that we have and we can't like, like birds don't fly because they have a flight gene. They fly because they're physiologically constructed to be able to fly. So like yeah. 
we can't just turn on a gene and make humans fly. We would basically have to turn a human into a bird. And then at that point, they would just be a bird. They wouldn't be a human anymore. So, <laughs> Or an airplane, in which case we'd we'd run on gasoline and, mm-hmm. and we'd, mm-hmm. we'd have windows. Yeah, there's a really people. cool mutation you can do where you actually just build a metal plane and then you fill it with jet fuel and then you can fly. Yep. Yeah, the A R P L N E gene. It's the it's the <laughs> too many letters. it's it's the Arplan Arplan one. There's a mutation in Arplan one that allows for flight. <laughs> it, you you knock it in and it's ready to go. And I get I grow tail and it enhances my, it enhances macrophage cytokine secretions. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that he talks about here too, uh, he also asks. I just pulled it up. Uh, Others might be able to use freeze rays or the ability to manipulate fire. One thing to keep in mind with a lot of superpowers, and I know this is, you know, a question to spark discussion and not, not may not necessarily be wholly serious, but one thing to keep in mind about a lot of superpowers that we see, like Sean said, you can only make changes in genes that we already have, but some of these are superpowers that interact with the world in ways that we can't. And that's not just extended to wings, but like the ability to produce fire from your hands is a person interacting with their environment at a molecular level in ways that are not even physically possible in any other sense, right? Like the ability to fly without wings would imply that, I don't know, you'd have to use fucking magnets or whatever, miracles. Magic. Accelerate molecules away from your body at a high rate. Like... The, the, these are all like vacuous things that are just really hand waved for superhero movies and for a good fucking reason. Yeah. What if David Blaine was there? David Blaine could probably just do it. I think is. I think he could too. You just use magic. You don't worry about mutations. Just use magic. Yeah. You're good to go. That's a different yeah. thing. It's gene editing and versus magic. Those are two completely. Yeah. Different if things. you oh so Anthony oh. go with the magic approach. It'll work a lot better. Mm-hmm. Do that. Pay some upset that you didn't say science is just or magic is just science we don't understand yet. well i thought about it but i didn't want to sound like a broken record well you do so. say it every single time so actually i well, feel like you're upsetting your brand I didn't say it this time can so. you uh well you know science is just magic we don't understand anthony it. thank yeah, you for your question fucking guy thank you very much anthony do we have any more questions i don't think so but kenan if people yes. wanted to send us a question where could they do that they have so many options available to them uh, if you want to get in t- contact with Sean, uh, his phone number is. Hold on, let me look through my phone real quick. Um, let's see. 6969. No, this is. I thought Sean was going to interrupt me, but he didn't. No, because I knew you weren't. You didn't have the fucking balls, Kenan. You don't have the fucking <laughs> balls. What to say? Four? Okay, you have to edit that out or I will murder you. <laughs> <laughs> so much power! You're going to edit that out, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, So if you want to get in contact with us, you can go to Real Science Cast. That's R-E-E-L on Facebook or at Real Science Cast on Twitter or send us an email over at realsciencecast at gmail.com. We're going to be watching a movie next week that we'll announce here in just a couple seconds. You can ask us questions about Rampage, about Still Alice, uh, about the movie that we're going to watch. And Sean's making a face because I think he's forgotten which one it is, but don't worry, I remember. And we will be able to answer it. You also, if you want to send us basic science questions, we can answer those as well. The other thing to keep in mind is that it really, 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 really helps us if more people listen. So tell family and friends about the podcast and do us a big favor and go over to your podcatcher of choice, especially iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. Uh, And tell us why you like the podcast. Or if you don't, send us an email and tell us what we can do to make it better. That all sounds great, Kenan. I really hope you edit out my phone number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I totally will. Cool. Absolutely. So what are we watching next week? We are going to watch for our, I say anniversary episode. And originally this oh! is just because. Sorry, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> because we had like 26 episodes. Like that will be our 26th one. But I think we will actually be releasing it on the day that we released our first episode last year. I so. cannot believe we've been doing this for a year. <laughs> I can't dope. fucking either. So it's we're dope. going to watch. Uh, at the request of literally too many people to mention, we're going to watch fucking Interstellar. <laughs> yep. The yep. science-filled blockbuster starring Maddie Mac McConaughey. And a couple of other people. And Matt Damon and the uh, Princess of Genovia. Eli, Eli, Eli Whitney. <laughs> um, Princess of Genovia. I, I forgot her name for some reason. <laughs> 
also starring very big, big title. Ways. I'm blanking yes. on her name. What is her um, name? Yes. I'm not going to tell you. It's Natalie Portman. No, it's not Natalie Portman. Anne Hathaway. That's the Princess of Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway is Princess it, of yes. Genovia. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're gonna watch Interstellar for you, the listeners, because yeah. If if you're looking for an answer as to how he's looking through a bookshelf in space into his daughter's bedroom, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it because it it doesn't make any sense. So that's a little little preview. But we will talk about all of the things like the giant waves, the environmental conditions on Earth. So I'm just gonna talk about corn. Yeah, pace pace being from Wisconsin is going to talk about corn. I'm not from Wisconsin. Did I say Wisconsin? <laughs> Sorry, I'm in Indiana. <laughs> Wisconsin is cheese, Sean. Everyone I'm knows in that. Indiana. I don't know why I said Wisconsin. They're all the same, though. <laughs> Idaho's potatoes. Wisconsin is cheese. Indiana is corn. Oh, you're right. Cool. Get, We're both from right. North and South Carolina, which I'm sure people just loop into Carolina most yeah. of the time. So what? Uh, the highest concentration of low SAT scores. I know. It's yeah, pretty I, bad. <laughs> But I, I love North Carolina. We are going to watch Interstellar. So get us your questions and we will try and answer them as best as we fucking can. The other thing is I am going to try and release tomorrow. Uh, so hopefully they'll already be out. I'm setting myself a deadline as well, Sean. Good. Uh, our Patreon goals. I'm going to update our Patreon and with all the details for what we're going to have, uh, what sort of goals we want to hit and what we'll be offering at those levels. So buckle up, chuckle fucks. Nice. Got some really good stuff. Big dividends. A lot of big, big dividends. Big dividends. <laughs> <laughs> Top men. Top. Man. And bottom men. Nice. Hey. We cater at all times. Okay. So should we wrap it up? Sean, I'll explain that joke to you later. Yeah, let's wrap up. My name's Kenneth Smith. Oh, my name's Sean Crossan. <laughs> I'm Michael Bays. You don't drunk, need good do science. And do are you going to do this every time? 69 is how, how about the, I have a proposal birth. guys how about <laughs> right. we alternate okay so that way we're not just talking over each other every time okay sure so you go Sean okay you don't need good science don't need get oh, to make a good movie were you saying get that we drunk. were going to alternate each individual word no I meant we were going to alternate episodes <laughs> can we do that anyway we'll say your thing but we'll alternate in between each of us okay like okay. Pachelbel's canon okay yep. you don't need good science to make. make fuck Kenan, come on <laughs> you build someone a beautiful beautiful house for starters i was they get never a very, a big, very good job fan. and then by the time they have cemented their position in the workplace mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. a decent middle management or upper management position. Uh-huh. Then one day they come home and you remove all the doors to the house and the bathroom. <laughs> and then you just watch them. <laughs> and that's how you play the Sims. <laughs>